the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Um, one of the things that I often do kind of leading up and on January 1st is I have made a list of things that I want to be different than the previous year. I've been thinking the last few weeks of my big, hairy, audacious goals for 2022 and how I'm going to get there. And wondering if a few of you all have New Year's resolutions. I'm suspecting maybe a few. It's the question, the question every year. How do we live differently into this new year? I'm reading my Tuesday book group, reading Sam Wells, who is an Anglican priest in London. Um, and a prolific author, used to be the chaplain at Duke University. And his most recent book, A Future is Bigger Than the Past. And he's aiming to kind of make an argument about how the church must undergo another reformation, or maybe it already is in many places. And there's a lot of wisdom in the book, but way too much for a sermon. But one of his ideas that I think carries a little bit of weight and and somehow is, is giving me a way, a lens at looking at the Old Testament lesson for today, is he says that there are four foundational values that should be found in any Christian or kingdom community. And that really should be the church at its core, but the way that we live into mission. And what he says those values are, are Christmas, Good Friday, Pentecost, and Easter. What he says is that Christmas essentially is that we ought to be able to proclaim that every good thing of God and creation can be embodied in a single life. It's the way that we look at, at others. The Good Friday value is that there is no limit to which God will not go to be with us. Pentecost, that work of reconciliation was not left to Christ alone, but it was embodied by the church. And then Easter, a definition and redefinition of past and future. And that's where I wanted to lead us this morning. Wells writes, human existence experienced as a prison because we panic about the past and the fear of the future. He continues, there is no genuine living in the present because our lives are dominated by bitterness and grief and humiliation of the past and paralyzed by anxiety and horror about the future. Now, when I first read those words, I'm like, wow, that's, that's strong. I mean, I don't... But then I started thinking about, like, think about where we are right this moment. Now, probably wise that there's not a lot of people at church right now. It, um, could be a holiday weekend. It could be the incredible surge, the number of people in our congregation that have COVID. But think about, think about this claim. We are living in two extremes right now. 
People are paralyzed with fear to live because of a COVID pandemic. Arguably, that is partially fear of the future, and to some extent, fear of the past. And on the other end, we have people who are adamantly refusing to do anything, rejecting taking any measure of control or precaution to care for themselves based on a bitterness or grief from the past or fear of what the future will become. We're kind of torn to those pulled by those extremes. And that's just one example. I think Wells' claim is probably a timeless example of the human existence. And so what he says is Easter is about two convictions. Forgiveness from the past that transforms enemy to friend or in his language, a horror show of shame into a storehouse of wisdom. And the future conviction of life everlasting that doesn't take away the unknown, but takes away the fear that engulfs what we cannot know. And so on this first Sunday in 2022, how do we be people that live into that freedom? A freedom from the past and a promise for the future. So of course, I've got to go into my own life and tell, use a little image. So most of you, it's probably not a surprise, y'all. We're still in the world where when you shake a Christmas present, you can kind of figure out with some degree of certainty what that present might be. Usually it's Legos. My parents have been sending monthly like this little box of like a science experiment engineering kind of set of something that you can build. So we've got doodle pads all over the place where Bailey is drawing and all sorts of arts and crafts. Our life is an experiment. So usually what happens, project is taken out of the box, some kind of beautiful creation is built. That is then left on the kitchen counter for far too long or on a table downstairs or the dining room. We walk away for a moment. This is where the forces of nature enter. Sometimes those forces of nature are a Labrador retriever. Sometimes they are a curious neighborhood child and the project has changed. To this, we come back, shrug our shoulders. Sometimes there's some, some choice words or some tears shed. But then something else is built and created, kind of continuing the cycle of something new happening. This is the experience of human life. We spend our lives creating something that we think is beautiful and perfect. And then we turn our attention away for a moment and only return to find that what we have worked so hard to create needs more attention. Our creation has changed shape. 
sometimes by forces of nature, sometimes by human influence, our own and the influence of others. Sometimes it's really a metaphor for our own lives. We wake up on New Year's Day, year after year, wondering what it is we can become. And sometimes those forces of nature cause us to look inward once again and consider what it is we are trying to fashion out of this life together. And yet, we're always given a chance to start over and over again. That promise that God is always trying to make things new. It is a freedom from the past and a promise for the future. It's interesting that, that for those of y'all that have spent a lot of time in the prophet's writings of Jeremiah, you probably noticed this morning that it's a drastically different tone. It's interesting because so much of Jeremiah is focused on the past. And yet we, we get on this first Sunday of the new year something very different. Scholars refer to this as the, the little book of consolation. Instead, Jeremiah is often, he's, he's vocal about how Israel has misbehaved. He spent 40 years warning Israel about her behavior, telling them to repent, telling, uh, crying out about how the relationship with God is broken. The people of Israel have a fractured covenant with God. And yet even in that voice of outrage and anger comes this beautiful little text when entire people feel cut off from God because of their actions of disobedience, God is reaching out and offering something new, a freedom from the past with a promise of future. He says that even in exile, that God will bring the north and the farthest parts of the earth, even among them the blind and the lame and those with children in pain. God says, I will not let them Walk by brooks of water in a straight path in which they cannot stumble. I will give the priests their fatness and my people shall be satisfied with my bounty. It's interesting to hear Jeremiah's words to say, even you that misbehaved, look, God is offering something new. We have four more days of Christmas, the season where we celebrate God with us, making things new. In the midst of our own lives, wherever we are, if we feel that we have turned down the wrong path, or that what we have made once beautiful is in need of redemption, we are offered something new. Just as God was restoring the people of Israel, Jeremiah's words remind us that we are invited to grab a box of Legos, a tinker kit, a doodle pad, or our own lives. We need a freedom from the past with a promise of future.
So do not be afraid. Do not let fear and anxiety control us. Because God is here in this moment to be with us always. God is making something new. A freedom from the past and a promise for the future. Amen. Thank you.